Just want to continue on the theme of uh, missions convention and missions. Appreciate uh, the Olsons being with us last week and uh, doing such a great job and thankful for their ministry. And I want to talk to you today about a vision, about the vision that we have for giving for this church, the vision that, that uh, has been birthed in me and, and uh, share with our leadership and, and something that we want to stretch forward. And uh, you received a couple things with you. You received uh, two handouts. So uh, just so you know, that you, so you have that information. But we want to talk about moving forward in the kingdom. Moving forward, building the kingdom of God as a church. And what God has in store for us. And when it comes to this, what we want to emphasize this week is our, is our giving towards the, the building of the kingdom. The kingdom builder's giving. And we want to talk about how we can be a part of this and how, how this is different than we've done before, but how this can be a great example of what God can do through this church. And so I want to give you a little history lesson, because I love history. And uh, as you go through the Bible, the Bible starts out before there's any law in the Old Testament, before there's the Ten Commandments, before there's anything. When it comes to giving... There's this principle of giving 10% of what you have to God. And the first plan we see this is Abraham, Abram at this time, in Genesis 14, 17 to 20. And it says, after his return from the defeat of uh, Shedder Laramir, there's one you might want to say, and the kings who were with him, and the king of Sodom went out to meet them at the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek of Salem brought out bread and wine, he was the priest of God's Most High, and he blessed them and said, Blessed be Abram by God's Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And you say, here's something, the principle is starting to be set up. And then Jacob later does the same thing. Jacob made a vow in Genesis 28 where he says, If God will be with me, and they will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. So basically the concept that we want to start out before we do giving is that God has set this up. And then he goes further when in the Old Testament law. This becomes part of what they do in the Old Testament law. Malachi 3.10, probably one of the famous passages. It says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. So you see this rolling throughout the Old Testament. Rolling throughout the Old Testament, this concept that we are supposed to give to God 10% of and if you look at Jacob, I think it's really important, 10% of what was given to us by God's blessing. That's, that's the, the part I think that we have to grasp. It's like, I don't want to give up stuff. This is my stuff. Okay, well, who gave you this stuff? I did. Uh, no, God gave it to you. Well, God gave you the ability. God gave you the talent. God gave you the opportunity. God gave you this. God. Okay, so God is giving us and blessing us so that we in part can give this back. 
Again, he doesn't need to do this. I've said it many times. God could just simply contact First National Bank every week and say, mm, Crossroads needs about this much money. Cha-ching. There it is. He could do that. Completely do that. And we would all miss out on a blessing. We would all miss out on the opportunity to give. And so he says, no, I'd rather use my people to give. A lot of people say, well, that's so Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Well, when it gets to the New Testament, it expands. It gets bigger. God just says, okay, we, we talked about this now. He says, now I want you to lay everything at God's feet and say, what is it that you want me to give? The first example we see of this is Acts 2, 44 to 45, where the early church is there, and it says, all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. In other words, what they said was, we went to church, we went to gather, and if there was a need, we would sell what we have to give to that need. It expands and says, God, use us in any way that you have. Use us and tell us exactly what you want us to sell, what you want us to give, and we are open to that. And then the next, the passage that we want to spend the most time on today is we want to talk about 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 5 through 15. If you want to turn in there in your Bible, it'll be on the screen also. But we want to talk about where Paul is really laying out this new principle of what it is to give. And when we're done kind of laying out the foundation, I didn't want to lay out the vision for you until I gave you the scripture behind it. Because if it's just Pastor John's vision without the scripture behind it, don't listen. We'll only listen if it's got, you know, a scriptural point of view. And so God, the first thing that we see in chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians is that God wants us to give freely. And if you look at, starting with verse 5, I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that may be ready as a willing gift and not as an exaction. Now, the first thing we need to understand about that, there are times that I have been in a service. There are times I have been in a Christian service. There are times I've been in a missions convention. There are times I've been in other places, and I feel like my arm is being twisted behind my back. You must give or you are a terrible person. Or you must give or God doesn't love you. And what Paul is trying to say right here is God does not want this to be an exaction or a, a, something he pulls from you. He wants it to come from your heart. There's a reason people say, how much should I give? And I said, well, how much do I have to give? And I said, well, the first thing I want to change your heart to is how much do I get to give? How much do I have the ability to give? How much am I able to give? There's the change of heart that God is looking for. This is not an exaction. This is not a God in heaven saying, oh, 9.4% coming from this side over here. Sorry, no blessing. Oh, 10.1 over here. Everything's going well. All right, that's not, the, that's not the, the, the image that he is looking for here. And if we look at verse 6, it goes even further. It says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You've probably heard this before. 
And there are some pastors who think that we should be laughing while we're giving. I've seen some churches where they have people dance up to the front to give. Um, yeah, I thought about that. And then I really thought, that doesn't really fit Bemidji that well. Okay, there are cultures that that might work a lot better. Um, yeah, you don't want to see me dance, that's for sure. So, but here's the deal. I mean, just basic farming principles. And, and for us here, if you want a lot to grow, you put a lot of seed down. Okay? If you want to see something happen, if you drop one seed in the ground and expect your entire lawn to be green, it's not going to happen. You've got to put enough seed on there for it to happen. And so he is saying, if you want to reap sparingly, don't put much in. If you want to reap bountifully, if you want to see great things come out, and the reaping, is, what's important to understand is, it's not necessarily in ourselves, it's in what God is going to do with it. In other words, do you want to see people saved? Because sometimes, another thing that pastor, some pastors will do is they'll say, you want to get a big blessing from God? You want to get that brand new four-wheeler we all drive by on the way out of church? You want that? You put that money in the check, in the offering, and you'll get it. You know what I say to you? God can do that. God may, if that's important, God may have a four-wheel ministry for you. Okay? And if that's what he wants to do, he'll make that happen. But what if you put a money, money in the check or give something to our kingdom builders and somebody in Myanmar is saved and all of a sudden that person becomes the leader of the church and becomes this and starts to rise up and you never even know it. But you know what? I'll take that. I'd, I'd rather have that. I don't need the four-wheeler as bad as that. How about a country where we can't get missionaries in? Uh, one of the biggest things that we have on our kingdom builders list is building Bible colleges. You know one of the places that we're looking at building a Bible college right now? North Vietnam. You know, we can't get missionaries in there very well, but if we train the North Vietnamese to witness to the exciting. This is what is exciting. That's what's reaping bountifully. And it's important to know that God is not looking for our money. God does not need our money. He wants our heart. It needs to be decided in our heart what we are going to give. God rewards a cheerful giver not for the giving but for the attitude and trust in Christ. Because everything that you give is trusting that God is going to provide for you. Because you all know when you do your budget, or if you don't do your budget, or if you just look at your balance, that it always seems like there's not enough, or you wish you just had a few more dollars, or I wish it could fit here, all of those things. But what God is trying to say is, by giving with a cheerful heart, you are saying, I trust God to take care of my needs. I trust enough to follow after Him. I believe that he is who he says he is. And I believe that he has called me to give. He has laid it on my heart. And whatever he lays on your heart, he's going to provide for. Sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. Not financial, blessing of God and for others. The other thing we really need to understand is that God is the provider for giving. We have to understand this. And if we don't understand this, we'll never become good givers. Because we'll always be looking at, what is God? what do I have to do? What do I have to do? Now, God calls us to do things. God calls us to have a job. Okay? God is, we can't just say, well, pastor just said that God is the provider for giving. I'm, I sit at home seven days a week playing Xbox, and I don't seem to get anything. Uh, the Bible says to go get a job. 
it's in there. Um, trust me, I'll, I can read it for you if you need me to look it up for you. Um, but he's the one who provides the job. He's the one who provides the skills. He's the one who provides uh, the things that you have. He's the one who provided us with an opportunity in our country to have incredible wealth in our country. And uh, we need to understand that there's a future grace, that we need to trust in the future grace of God. All right, so if we look at verse, uh, verse 8, where it says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things and at all times, you may abound in good works. So there's a future grace of God. You will have sufficiency and contentment. 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment. Because I can tell you this today. There have been enough interviews done. There have been enough studies done. There is no exact amount of money that's going to make you content. I'm just going to tell you. And you say, but pastor, there's some people that really have a lot of money. They've got to be content. No, they're not. Because without godliness, there is no contentment. And what he is saying also is, Paul will say, I've had times in my life when I've been poor and very content. I've had times when I've had a lot of wealth and very content. And you say, that's not very American. Because I, I, I watch TV and watch commercials, and they all tell me that I need to have this stuff before I'm going to have anything. Don't you understand? And he says, but think about it in your own life. Have you ever had nothing and been content? Have you ever had times you look back at in your life and said, I didn't really have a lot of money, but I, I sure enjoyed life. You know, I, I didn't have much, but it was okay. I had my friends, enjoyed myself. I think about when I was back in college and, and uh, we didn't have a lot of money and nobody could just like buy a lot of stuff, but we had all our friends there. We had a good time. We had fun. We'd just go to the gym and play basketball for hours on end. Cost us nothing and had a great time. Just the contentment we can have. So, abound in every, great, every good work is what he wants us to do. Among the ancients, the motive for giving was to show one's moral superiority. Now, we haven't changed much on that. But he is trying to say, so I give, just so you know everybody, Pastor John put in this much in the offering. Look at me and how much better I am than all of you. That was the motive for giving. And that's still true today. Now, one of my goals is to, I have lots of weird goals, and you guys know that. Um, but I want to, if I had enough money, I would love to buy a wing for a school or something like that, and then not name it after myself. Name it after somebody else. Just know that nobody knows. So it could be, I mean, it could be the John Sherpicky wing. You know, just John, just John's a friend of mine. And John all of a sudden gets a note, thanks for the John Sherpicky win. John's like, what did I do? Okay? Because it's just like, it'd be so much fun to do it without the, you know, I'm not looking, it's, it's not mine. I don't know who gave him the money. It's, it's kind of, okay, that's a weird thing. But, um, but for Paul, the motive was to glorify God for his grace. So in other words, you look at yourself and you say, by grace I am saved. Am I better than anybody else on the street? No, by grace I am saved. Maybe you have family members that are unsaved, and you say, by grace of God. The difference between me is that the grace of God has been given. The grace of God has been accepted by me. The grace of God has come into my life. It is written, and if you look at verse 9, He is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. 
Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. The seed is the word of God in the Old Testament text by which Paul quotes. And what he is saying is that the seed has come. The seed, the harvest of souls has come. They are enriched to do the word of God. The Apostle Paul knows what it's like to live in poverty and wealth. Now, it's not a guarantee of wealth, but it's a guarantee of God's provision for us. As you look at this, he will supply what you need so that you will be taken care of. God gives us what we give. We give as an act of faith and trust in his grace. So in other words, people say, when I give, will I be blessed? And I say, you've been blessed, so you give. Yes, but when I give, will I be blessed? You've been blessed, so you'll give. It's a circle. Yet, I realize I'm going circular on you, just for the record. You're blessed, so you give. You're blessed, so you give. Well, you get, well yeah, you'll be blessed if you want to go that direction. But I, no, no, no. You start with God's Son came and died on the cross for me, for you. He was, it was predicted from on old. The words of the Old Testament came. The seed was sown. It was taken care of for you. You became a follower in Christ. Somebody else gave money, effort, time to preach the gospel to you and to your family. Okay? You received grace. Now that grace has been passed on and passed on and passed on to us. And we received it. And not only that, God has made it possible for us to provide for ourselves. He has given us the talents and the skills to grow. And we need to understand, again, there's not a guarantee of wealth that you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. You will be enriched, could be. The fact that you give may enrich the church. It may enrich a mission. It may enrich somebody else. It may enrich you personally. But we as Americans, and this is now spreading throughout the world, are always looking for, well, what do I get out of it? What if you get out of it the fact that you get to be a part of somebody being saved that you've never met before? What if you get out of it, you get to see somebody getting saved or, or transformed or, or, or taken out of addiction? You get to see a young person grow up that came from a rough home to become a follower of Jesus Christ. You get to see these things. You're enriched in every way, and you will see what God can do. So when he is saying about this, he supplies the seed, everything that we need, and will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. So if you want to be enriched in this world, be generous in this world. Because God wants to use generous people. He is, and it's, it's a very important thing. Third thing, giving is an act of worship. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only the supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in, in many thanksgivings to God. They see the reality of your faith. Do you know what it does for people? I remember when I went to Germany on my first missions trip, and I thanked our host that was there. And they said, why are you thanking us? I said, well, you've been very kind to us and everything like that. They said, did you just get on a plane from, what, Minnesota? Isn't that like in the middle of your country? Fly over here on your own money? 
spend your time with us and you're thanking us for giving you a little bratwurst. The bratwurst was very good, by the way. Um, but it's important for us to understand that God was using us. But what a, what a testimony it was to the people of Germany when I was there. When I was in Myanmar, they were so impressed that this big white guy was walking around in their country. When we went to Cambodia and we helped the lady carry the rice out of her uh, um, rice field, I guess it makes sense, and she was just laughing at us. Like, why are these big, crazy-looking dudes carrying rice out of my rice field? She didn't want us to leave, I could tell you that. And, but we're doing this, and the fact that when people see us give, when the saints see us give, when the people see us give to our community, it's kind of like what we did with the Adopt-A-School program. You have no idea what impact that made on that school. You have no idea the principals, the teachers, the ideas that we've gotten, the feedback that we've gotten, what received in that. Because they say, you're giving to others? You're giving so other people can be blessed? And they are impressed by this, and it is supplying the needs of the saints and out, outwards. Giving to, uh, confession of faith is in our giving. And verse 13, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Do you realize that people will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ through your giving. Do you realize that there are people out there that are going to say, God is real, because God, if God is real, that's the only way I can understand why somebody would give to help us here in a different country. The project that we're looking at right now is another Myanmar project to help with student housing. If you've been to Myanmar, um, I mean, they're struggling. They're, they're a country that's just recently come out of a dictatorship, and they're still struggling with their new country, and they're Thousands of students are coming to Bible colleges to be trained. And we get the opportunity. And you know what kind of blessing it is for them? To find out that some people in northern Minnesota who have never heard of Miachina or never been to that area are blessing them. And they get to look up and say, people love us all over the world. People care for us. I'm going to tell you a story that blessed us. When we had the 9-11 attack, here in America, uh, many of you are familiar with Hillsong, which is the Assemblies of God in uh, Australia. And about a week after or two weeks after it, I received a box from Hillsong. And it said to our fellow Assemblies of God in, in America, we know that you are hurting over what happened in your country. And it was all their CDs. It was songbooks from Hillsong. And they just wanted to bless us. And that really did a lot for me and my heart. It was an encouragement to me that they were thinking about us and they were willing to invest in us. All the way from Australia, they're thinking, what can we do for our friends in America? And they did it for us. And the generosity of your contribution to them and for all the others, they will now see that God is real and you are doing a confession of Christ. Because if you're stingy with what you give, people are looking at it and saying, I'm not sure that they're really that into what they do. But people that give 
are usually the people that are most excited about what's going on. And verse 14 goes even further, that they will pray for us while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. They see the grace of God. Do you know today that there are people throughout the world, if we look up at our flags up here, we look at the missionaries, do you know that there are people in these countries that are praying for us today? And they're praying and thanking God for us. How many, is there anybody here who doesn't need more prayer? I'm just checking. Um, nobody? Okay, good. I was hoping that nobody raised their hand. Yeah, I got plenty. Please don't let anybody else pray for me. If you think about me, stop. Okay, just don't pray for me. Way too much. But here it was. The church of Jerusalem was in a horrible time. This is what he's raising money for. And he's raising money from a group of poor people here in Corinth. And he's going to send it to a people in Jerusalem that you think would be the wealthy people, but they were actually hurting from a famine. And he says, and they will pray for you over this. You have joined in unity with these people. What an exciting thing that we have. And in fact, it gets so exciting that you know how Paul ends it? Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. In other words, God, this is one of those moments where Paul is writing, okay, you need to understand, and all of a sudden he just... Even see the exclamation point at the end? Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Yes! That's how you should say that line. Because he's saying, all this is so exciting. You receive the glory of God. You receive from the Old Testament the seed. Then you receive the gospel yourself. Then you receive the ability to create wealth. Then you receive the generosity. And now you're able to share it with others and make a union with people throughout the world in your own community throughout the world. And now you're praying one for another. And we're unifying the church of Christ. And Paul says, I'm so excited because I just said this. So thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. I just summarized Paul right there. That was my little, that's it. Okay, but he was got so excited and so should we. This is how we should look at giving. God, let us have the opportunity to give. Thank you for your gift that you have given us. You've heard the concept, you cannot give God. And some people are like, what does that mean? Because the greatest gift we ever received is our salvation. The greatest gift we can ever see is the fact that we are still alive. The greatest gifts that we have are every gift and talent that we've been given by Christ. And because of this, when we look at giving, we should look at it differently. We should look at it as an honor, a praise to God, a chance to bond with others, a chance to confess our faith in Christ. Every time we give, we confess that we trust God to take care of us. We trust God. We are saying, not only do I believe, but I trust Him with my finances, and I trust Him enough to say, I'm going to put this in here, knowing that He'll take care of me. So now, I want to introduce you to what we're, what we're doing you should have two packet things with you. And what we are doing is something that churches throughout the country are doing. And it's a new way of looking at, at, at giving. And it's called Kingdom Builders. And Kingdom Builders is the opportunity to take this Old Testament concept of 10% of our wealth, weld it to the New Testament concept of God, here's the checkbook, and will you tell me what to give, knowing that you're going to provide what I'm going to give? That's always so exciting about God. If he tells you to give something, guess who's going to give it to you or provide for you? God. It's a good deal. Trust me on this. So 
I just wanted to go over the first two things in the, if you look at this piece right here, it says, what is Kingdom Builders? I just wanted to go through this real quick. It's a group of fully committed individuals and families who prayerfully commit to give over and above their 10% giving to the ongoing missional strategy of the local church. So in other words, this is taking the Old Testament saying, you know what, we give 10% to the church. But then what we are saying to God is, God, what do you have more for me to give? You know what the hardest thing, about, one of the hardest things about being a pastor all week long, looking at mail, taking phone calls, is I get a, I get a mailing It says, will you help us buy Bibles for Iranian um, pastors who don't have a Bible? And you know what my reaction is? Yes. Will you help us build a new church in this country that doesn't need one? My reaction is yes. That's my problem. I always want to say yes to everything. The problem is we need to know, are we going to designate money towards that? Are we going to say this is where, because we as a body have to make the decision, how much are we going to give to this? What are we going to decide to do? So if you look at the purpose of Kingdom Builders, there's two purposes, to provide the resources to fulfill the vision God has put on the hearts of the leadership here at Crossroads. The vision is always connected to global, local church, global missions, local church expansion, and future Christian leaders. The other thing it's important to understand is to remove the need to ask the congregation multiple times to raise money for building projects, missions, pledges, and other outreaches. Now, you can still give to any of these things. But what, I will tell you this story. This is when I was first starting pastoring. And I felt so embarrassed by this. I invited a friend of mine. And if I told you who it was, you'd, he's a teacher here in town. And came to church. We had four offerings that day. He said, John, I brought 20 bucks. Which one am I supposed to put it in? And I said, why didn't we? And I just went home and I said, why didn't we have four offerings? Well, we had this offering for this. And we had this offering for this. And we had this offering for this. And this offering for that. And I said, I confused my friend who just came here. He probably thinks that's all we do is think up of ways to take offerings every week. What, would you like church? Yeah, they sure like money and that passing the offering plate around. And so what we want to do is every time that there is a need, because we want to expand, we want to see expansion and things like that. And we want to have it so that it all comes together. And we all have the opportunity to give to a fund so that we can make decisions. And I want more people involved. We can make decisions where this money is going to go. But we also have the ability to do that. We've been doing some of this recently. We've set aside some of the general fund for some of these things, and we've been able to give to other churches. There's a church plan up in, in International Falls. And the church was basically dying, and they said, can you send them $500? And all the churches in the state sent $500. You know what's going on in International Falls right now? It's going crazy. Thief River Falls. They said, do you want to give $500? We gave $500 to Thief River Falls. Thief River Falls has grown to the stage. Within three years, they're planting another church right now. I want to be a part of that. I want to be the church that's given towards things like that. I, want to, I, I mean, I don't want to be saying, no, I want to be saying, how much can we? What is on our heart to do this? And so, I just want to go through this quickly. The, the, the missions projects that we have. First of all, we have $10,800 that we want to give to global missionaries. This is all the missionaries that we have. All the ones throughout the world that we give, represented by the flags. 
represented by the ones in the back you can see. Uh, we want to give that. That's every year we give to them. The Priority One Project, which we're going to be taking up an offering for in November here. Every year we've taken one up. We took one up for, uh, with Darth Lee who was here a couple weeks ago. Remember we took up that offering for the floating school and we took up for a new school for him in Cambodia to help kids. And we got to see the pictures of how it was. And then we last, then we took up one for uh, a school in Myanmar. And we got to see that. We got to see the fact that they used to be taking showers outside. Now they actually have dorms. And the next one we did was for Buntane Theological College. And I want to share more pictures of that in India. Because India desperately needs new people to become pastors because more and more India is kicking out all of our missionaries. And this year we're going to be doing $5,000 towards the Priority One project, uh, which is building housing for Evangel Bible Institute in Myanmar. This is a place where I spoke at, personally. And so um, it is a great area, Myanmar. Uh, their people, the missionaries were all kicked out for 20 plus years. We came back they were still there, all the, the Christians, but desperately in need of Bible schools, and this is for housing there. You'll notice, if you go further, you'll see we have the Adopt-A-School. Um, $1,500 we give towards that. This doesn't mean like when the Adopt-A-School comes up, we still want to be able to um, give money or, or still do the drive with giving school supplies. Because I've talked to a lot of people, and I told the principal, Amy Allgaard, I said, if I had stopped adopted school, I might be out of a job. I said, so many people in our church talked about how much fun it was to go buy rulers and things like that that they haven't brought, bought in a long time. So I said, we're doing that again. But also this year, just so you know what we did, we gave a $10 gift certificate to every teacher, every janitor, every uh, playground monitor at the school. And they really appreciate that. We wrote them a note of encouragement. And that would be for this. Now, the one thing I want you to see, as you see, as you came in, you saw the bus. Tours are available. Walk onto the bus as you're leaving. Um, we, need to, we want to pay for this bus. And we thought about it. We could start up another fundraising campaign for the bus. No, we're not doing that. Because we're putting it into here. The youth brought that down to youth convention. We're arranging right now for someone... Uh, some people that really get behind bringing kids on Wednesday night in for our children's programs. It's going to work for our, um, all these things. You see there's $6,400. Treat Street, the cost us money to be a part of that, that's coming up. Um, 3,000 people will be impacted by the, what we do there. Chief Cornerstone Church on the Red Lake Reservation. They're meeting in our building right now, but right now they're... they're buying land and getting ready to build a building just south of the Red Lake Reservation. If you don't have a compassion for our American Indian people here in Bemidji, you're not paying attention because we need to help the American Indian population. We're surrounded by American Indians. God has given us an opportunity to share the good news because we want to see people saved. Timber Bay, if you're not familiar with Timber Bay, Timber Bay works with uh, youth. Uh, sometimes they're more with at-risk youth, but they work with all kinds of youth here in the Bemidji area, and we want to be that. So these are all under local church expansion. These are our local ones. Churches United, one of the greatest things that somebody ever came up with is Churches United. What it is is somebody calls and they say, I'm stuck here in Bemidji or I can't pay my bill. And all the churches gathered together and, and made this thing called Churches United. And you call and people can receive help. 
for what they need. So if they, they're all of a sudden in a poverty state, they can be helped at the state. But the other good news is, the biggest fear that a lot of people have with churches unite with things is that somebody's just trying to you know, call every church and see how much money they can get. This advantage is we have an opportunity not just to give them money, but to find them the help that they need. There's long-term help that's available through this. And for, the next thing is for Crossroads Building Expansion. Um, right now, we're built, raising money for, um, to finish off the parking lot. That will be rolled right into this, so we'll just roll in those pledges here. But we're looking for expanding and remodeling and moving on to what God has for us. And every year, we're going to have money that's going to be put into this fund so we can look forward for that. Future Christian leaders. We never want to look past the future. We never want to say everything's just fine. First thing, we, we support Winona State Chi Alpha, probably one of the largest Chi Alphas in the state, if not the nation. And we are uh, followed, it's a college-based ministry at Winona State University where they have hundreds of people coming to Christ, hundreds of people uh, being called into ministry, um, just doing great things down at Winona State. The AG Trust, what the AG Trust is, um, some of you here may be a, may be a doctor or, or something like that, um, the AG Trust, there are certain places where if you go and minister in that area, they'll help forgive your student loans. This is us helping the Assemblies of God train new ministers, give scholarships to new pastors. Plus, if they go to certain places, they have their uh, loans forgiven. North Central University and Trinity Bible College. We want to support both of our schools that are producing Christian leaders. This is where our pastors come from. This is where our missionaries come from. These are our future Christian leaders. Lake Geneva Christian Center. We're big believers in Lake Geneva right here. And we want to give to Lake Geneva. Lake Geneva is our camp that we own. And every church is called on to give to Lake Geneva. I was uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, called into ministry at Lake Geneva. I also have a soft part because I met my wife at Lake Geneva. So this one should be higher. Okay, I'm just saying. So it's a great place. In fact, I ha how many friends do I have that have met their wives at Lake Geneva? Quite a few. Um, so not that that's its primary goal, but it's not a bad place to do that. Every summer, there'll be 2,000 people gathering around the 4th of July for family camp. Just having a wonderful time. We have a problem at Lake Geneva right now. A big, big problem. We have no idea what to do with all the kids that are coming. What was our numbers this year at teen camp? 800 every camp. Our capacity is less than that or, yeah. We need, I mean, we're having kids come. And you know what's happening to these kids there? They're getting saved. They're getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're being called into ministry. And the fortunate few will meet their wives there. Okay, I'm just saying, there's a few. But, and we don't want to stop this. The camp needs our help to say, I want to be a part of that. I want to see a, something that's growing. The Church Multiplication Fund, this is our contribution to starting new churches and new communities. And there's a fund that is created. So when a new church planner goes out, $35,000 is given to them right away to start with their fundraising. And we want to be a part of that. And this is the camp and ministry scholarships. When we have a kid who's in need to go to camp, we have scholarships that are available. 
and we want to keep raising this amount, but we want to say, you know what, if there's a kid, if there's an adult that really needs to be at something, we want to contribute to that. And a lot of times in churches, we take up special offerings for that, but we're going to do this um, through our, our ministry fund here. And the last one is what's called the Church Help Fund. That's what I was talking about with International Falls and Thief River. Uh, one time, it was Warroad who called us. And Warroad, their furnace went out. Now, it's very rare that we in Bemidji get to talk about the people that are colder than us. Okay? But when you're in Warroad and your furnace goes out, that's emergency one. They couldn't have church and everything like that. So we sent money. But you know what? We didn't have any money in the budget. I called the board and I said, we need to send some money to Warroad. They said, where do you have it in the budget, Pastor? We don't have it in the budget. We're going to have to figure something out. But we want to have that available so that we can bless other churches. Because we want to see what's happening in International Falls right now, what's happening in Thief River. There's other churches out there that are going to have these opportunities. I just want to end with this. Last year, our church, whether it was through the building fund that we had for parking lot and chairs, whether it was for missions giving, designated missions giving, or for the special offering we took up for Buntane Theological College, gave $28,000 to a lot of the things that are right here. $28,000 was given. Now you say, Pastor, that's what you're saying is more. Yes. Uh, I'm calling on us because I want to say, I want to take the attitude of what can we do to help push forward and build the kingdom of God in our community? What can we do to help in global missions? What can we do for future Christian leaders? What can we do for local church expansion? How can we help? And so basically, what I want everybody to do, you'll see a pledge card that you received. And you'll see the 2019 goal. You'll see the 2019 card right here. And what I want you to do is listen to God and say, God, whatever you want me to give to this, first of all, praise be to God for his inexpressible gift. Praise be to God for what he has given us. Just keep thinking that in your head. And praise be to God for what he wants to do through this church, through future leaders, through global missions, through what he has called us to do. And say, God, what do you want me to write here? What do you want me to say on this? How much do you want me to say that I'm going to give? And when we do that, just turn it into your offering play. You can turn it into the welcome center. You can turn it into the back box right there. Just take a, I recommend taking a few weeks to do it and just seeking after God. Because remember, He will give you what you need to give. If God lays on an amount on your heart that scares you, Pray again, okay? Ask him and say, God, are you sure? And if God says, yes, I'm sure, then guess who's going to provide it for you? God. And that's exciting. That's exciting to see what he wants to give. So I just wanted to lay this program out to you. This is something you want to push forward in our church and just have an opportunity to be a church that's all about what can we do, Lord, to build up your kingdom in this town, in this area for future leaders and for global missions. Why don't you stand with me right now?
where prayer ministers could come forward. If you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, you've never made him the master of your life, you, we talked about it earlier when we were doing communion, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For everybody has sinned. Everyone. Everyone came, comes into this world in need of forgiveness. So when we say God, you know, nobody is good enough on our own is what I'm trying to say. But that doesn't mean you're, you're worthless, you're lost. It means you're in need of a Savior. It means you're in need of forgiveness. It means you're in need of somebody to wipe away your sins. And that's what God wants to do. He wants you to make a commitment to Him, but He wants to come in and take away the guilt of that sin and restore you and make you new. If you've never made that commitment, today is the day to make that commitment. Come and talk to one of our prayer ministers. Also, if you're here and you've never, or you're just in need of someone to pray with you, we want to have multiple opportunities for people to pray. And if you didn't feel comfortable raising your hand earlier and you just need someone to pray for you right now, come and see one of our prayer ministers. We believe in a God who heals. We believe in a God who delivers. We believe in a God who saves. Why? Because he said he would do it. He asked us to come and have people pray for us, and we're going to do that today. And I just want you now, as a challenge, just go home. Read through this. We're going to have some time for some question and answer. Uh, and, and not right now, but at another time, if you have some questions about this. But we must want to find a way. Uh, what does God have for you to give? What is God calling you to give? And think, think, how much can I give? How much, God, will you? I want to give as much as you'll make possible through me, God, because what a blessing that is for us to do that. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your, your grace, God. I thank you for the grace that goes beyond anything that we can describe. And we just want to cry out like Paul did, thanks be to God for you, God, for your grace. And Lord, I pray, God, for all of these missions that we've talked about today. Lord, we pray that you will do mighty things through them. We pray for um, our missionaries today, God. We pray for those that... Uh, our need today. We pray for all these outreaches that we want to do, God. Let them be fully empowered by your Spirit, funded by your Spirit working through the people, God, that we may bless and be blessed as we do it, God. And we ask you, God, just to work through every person's heart in this church and help us to understand what it is you have us to give. In the name of Jesus, amen. We have our prayer ministers available, otherwise you are dismissed.